What is up, my man, Drew Now, What's up, dude? Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Nothing like Viennier at 9 in the morning. I love it. I know, yeah. <laughs> um, what is, so obviously this was one of these harvests that was just like, you know, I've, I've had people who, like, I've been in this, this is my 28th harvest, Adam. This one was the biggest pain in the ass. For two brands, you have both Now Family Wines, and you're also the winemaker for Onyx, so... And you got little ones at home. So there is a lot going on. So harvest for you must have been very, very, it was something. Yeah. And well, we had a couple of cool changes even at home this last year where my wife was able to take on a 100% remote job. Oh, good for her. Help our kids got into the same preschool. So yeah. our life simplified a little. Um, and then the biggest difference is just having good people around you. So having a great winemaking team at Onyx and um, for the first time ever had a harvest assistant at Ninao this year, um, Sam Carlson, who had been working in our tasting room, worked a harvest with Adelaide Vineyards last year. He came in and was a huge help. First time, this was our sixth harvest for Ninao family. And wow. This was the first time I actually had someone in there helping me, which we made twice as much wine this year. We had to increase production, so and I couldn't have done it without him. But for... That those for that scenario to kind of fall into place for this harvest, that must have been clutch because this yeah. was a tough one. It was, yeah. Obviously, the heat wave that we got, we were talking about it off air, where we knew the OS moment when we looked at the long range forecast and there was just triple digits over and over and over again. And every new day that they extended out the forecast, that just continued. I and know. All said and done, it was basically two weeks straight. Of over 105 so if it i also like to look at the silver lining that if that had happened even a week later the fact that it happened labor day weekend and not end of september you know obviously there was some uh rush decisions when it came to picking whites and rosés and some of the early red varieties um, but there was especially with onyx um over half of what we made all year still came in after the heat wave so consider myself lucky that we still made great wines out of the heat wave. And then we also had plenty that we made afterwards. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Now, when someone says like, this is really like a winemaker's vintage, you know, I kind of explain to somebody what that means because, you know, mother nature is obviously dealing it, uh, what's going on. And then you're okay. Well, you know, then like labor becomes an issue. We don't have a scheduled group of pickers and, and we don't have them till Monday and it's, Wednesday, so we don't have them for four or five days, and uh, the weather's supposed to be crazy. Until then, do we yeah. do we pick now, and we know we're underripe, or do we wait and see if they fry? Like, what was going through your head, and how did you make these decisions? Is it varietal hmm. based, or what is it based on? It's site based. So if you've got a vineyard site that is relatively protected from the afternoon, that hot part of the day, if it's a little bit more eastern facing or northern facing. You have some confidence that it'll make it through. You know, how much protection is it getting from the canopy? How do they look? And that's another reason that it, the heat wave being as early in harvest as it was, the canopies were alive. So there was a lot of protection that way. And otherwise, mentally, just accepting that there was a lot that we couldn't control in that situation mm -hmm. helped. So you say a winemaker's vintage. I think what that means is that a lot of the time, the quality that wine that you can make is entirely dependent on the quality of the grape that you get you can't make great wine out of bad grapes as we know and a lot of but you still need to get those wines through fermentation you need as a winemaker 
to make the right decisions, to get the sugar out, to protect them from harmful things like volatile acidity afterwards and get a clean wine on the other end. And on a year like this year, that's more challenging. So the experience of a winemaker in anticipating what's going to happen and paying attention to what's going on with your fermentations becomes pretty key. Yeah. Was there one that was was tougher? Was the like the Onyx program a tougher vintage to handle, or was the the Ninao family wine uh, portfolio a tougher vintage to handle? We had a little earlier ripening spots with Ninao, so I think there was a little bit more challenges there. Um, a lot, of, as I said, a lot of the Onyx stuff, which comes from the Templeton Gap uh, district, cooler sites. So we had a lot of things that made it through. But we also have an estate vineyard in Kyler Canyon, right next to Terry Hogue, sandwiched between Terry Hogue and Ecluse. Um, and pretty much that entire ranch was picked in 14 days. Wow. Um, so there was a little bit of both. Uh, and I think I managed about 55 different ferments this year between the two. So Really? I don't know. that We just pressed off our last couple ones for Onyx Andy now this last week. So... Uh, I'm still kind of licking my wounds over here. <laughs> what do you do? Do you go on vacation coming up soon? Do you have something planned where you can kind of relax? Or how does that, how do you think of like, okay, when this is all said and done, what can I do to just decompress? A little bit. There's the holidays and especially with little kids. Um, and we don't have family in the area. My parents live down in San Diego. My wife's parents are up in the Sierra foothills. So we always travel, um, which can be relaxing, but also traveling with toddlers isn't the most fun thing. Right. Uh, so we get when we can, but we also have bottling plans in January. And of course, me and our family is running into we're we're out of wine. We need to bottle more wine. Yeah, um, for our spring club shipment. So we've already got our bottling scheduled for February, and we got to start prepping for that. So when you're a small brand, that obviously from the like you said six vintages in. But we're starting to see some like early popularity. Mm. We're getting some good press. I mean, you were in USA Today, like ten was like one of the ten best newest wineries mm -hmm. in the country. I mean, that that's you know, I'm sure the phone starts to ring more then, right? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, it was coupled with we just moved into a brand new tasting room too up on Adelaide Road, a bigger space. Um, we had been operating out of a, a really small one on Peachy Canyon Road that was really great as we cultivated the brand, and uh, Ricky did an amazing job. Uh, fostering it and incubating it there, but we moved into Lone Madrone's uh, formerly occupied spot on oh, Adelaide cool. Road. Oh, Where did they go? They bought a property near the roundabout, the traffic circle on the 46 West. Um, cool. Yeah, and they've got a new tasting room and kitchen set up over there. Where did they, Where are they? I'm trying to think of it. Like, where are they? Um, it was the formerly Wines of the 46 West. Oh, really? Yeah. They're in that spot? Yeah, it's great. You should go check it out. I remember back in the day, this is when I first moved here, that used to be like a bakery. Have you been here a while? I've been here since 09. Okay, so yeah. maybe this I might have even gone, but the back, I came here in 03. That used to be this bakery, and I forgot the name of it, but they um, they had these caramel apple pies that were just like crack. They were so good. But you start, you start then you started to see someone, but it's a great area, mm -hmm. and you would see it kind of, I mean, Cypher was in there for a while, right, and some different uh, other Ryan wines. Ryan Devlet was there Devlet for a little was bit, in too, there for a little which bit. Which was cool to have some of that Pinot and Chard action. In I love County. that. I love yeah, when you see, really like, good. some of the cooler temperature stuff mm -hmm. in Paso, people making it and it being tasted up here. Um, so now that's where Lone Madrone is. That's great. Yeah, really happy for Neil. Um, Neil's yeah. someone I really look up to and as far as, you know, having kids in the area, growing his family, growing his brand, obviously working for Tablas. Um, I had some great conversations with him about balancing all of that. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great guy. I actually thought of him yesterday. I was reading some article about 
something that was going on in Bristol, mm-hmm. and the uh, and the artist Banksy. Oh yeah, did these. Um, Oh, some people did something where they got in trouble and Banksy like made these shirts. Oh, they pulled down a statue and they were going to be like, you know, in trouble for pulling down the statue. And Banksy, the artist, made these shirts. And um, they were obviously, of course, everybody wanted a Banksy shirt. Right. Mm-hmm. And he just released them to this like a few mom and pop spots in Bristol only. So, anyways, when you when you hear Bristol, I just think of think of Neil. I think of Neil. I and think of the World Cup. And, well, no, of like course, the World yeah. Cup of rugby and yeah. That, and I always think. Of and one of the last times he was out there, he called me. Um, I'm like, you just need to call me when you're just drunk on cider. <laughs> and so I'm literally sitting in this studio in Bristol. He's in Bristol, you know, drinking ciders and just he's like, you know, I, I, you know. At least his great. accent isn't as strong as it used to be. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I do love him. He's great. Uh, Drew Nina, Nina Family Wines, also Onik. We got Brian Apiano here from The Switch. We're going to come back. It's uh, Monday here, Up and Adam in the Morning, 920. Up and Adam. Thank you so much for being Up and Adam in the Morning. It is 930 on Monday. Hope you had a wonderful weekend. Here we are. We got uh, Drew Nina in studio. Also, Brian Apiano from The Switch. Uh, Drew Nina, this uh, beautiful Viennese. This is called the tightrope. Why do you call it that? Uh, it's named for my sister, Tracy, which a few of our wines are. Tracy is my partner in the winery, along with my wife, Andy, and my brother-in-law, Mike. And much like us and what we've already talked about, they've got three kids and are completely self-employed, always entrepreneurial and starting businesses. So she's always described her life as walking on a tightrope. And I've noticed, too, that when she's stressed and she needs a glass of wine, it's a white as opposed to red. So made this for her to try and keep her sanity a bit as we try and get this winery off the ground. How has it been? I mean, obviously with big press like you had this year, I mean, that's got to really help. That's incredible. It's been great. Yeah, we we usually do about 600 cases to 700 cases of wine a year. That's what we've done every year since the inception. But now you need to do more, huh? Yeah, our wine club just broke 500 uh, members. Wow. Um, we The newer tasting room space, um, I also brought a 2019 red because... They sold out too quickly when we moved into the new tasting room spot. It was just with the amount of traffic that we can see there, we just blew through those wines. So um, we're increasing the production a bit to handle that. Um, but basically, we're just making more wine to handle the current yeah. amount of popularity. And Yeah, how do you kind of manage scaling and scalability? I mean, it's a good problem to have, but it's still something that needs to be managed, you know, pragmatically, right? So yeah. how, how do you do that? Well, the hardest part would be sourcing, mm. um, especially with how competitive the grape market is in Paso. Mm, yeah. It's gotten harder and harder, but uh, I felt relatively prepared for the scale because at about 10 to 12 tons, what we were doing, there was a lot of contracts they were actually saying no to or someone saying they have upwards of three to four tons of something and having to say, you know, we can really only handle two at this time. So it was really just taking up a lot of our current grape sourcing um and adding on a couple more tons and also jordan at epic has been really great and kyle on getting us some fruit from some of the epic properties that's great yeah yeah jordan is my winemaker crush i love her wine so much she's so great kyle is uh incredible at managing the vineyards and yeah they got so you're getting some epic fruit that's that's rad. We got a little bit of York Mountain. Oh, my God. Um, Grenache, which it was a tough year up there, but just the quality of the farming. Yeah. It's one of those things where when you pay top dollar, you you know that it's being taken oh, care sure. of. Oh, sure. 
and that's what you get with the Epic properties. We were kind of, you know, we were talking about kind of cooler temperature Viognier with this tightrope, and um, that was one of the first ones that they rolled the curtains back for their York Mountain program was the Viognier. Yeah. And uh, it's, um, all the York Mountain stuff so far has just been so good, whether it's the Syrah. I thought, because I love their Block B, mm-hmm. their Block B Syrah is just like, oh, you know, yeah. I love it. But then I tried their York Mountain Syrah. I'm like, man, it's it's just so good. And York Mountain in and of itself, like, this is becoming a place soon. I mean, it's happening behind the scenes right now, but you're going to start seeing a lot of wine come from there soon. That's all going to be just, like, all-star stuff. I always thought it was really silly that it was its own AVA I know, huh? um, being right there. And then you start to work with the grapes and taste the wine off of it, and you're like, this is a different AVA. It's it's a lot different. Yeah, so, I mean, it's decidedly far, far more west, right? Mm-hmm. What are some of the other aspects that you've noticed or maybe experienced with your friends that York Mountain has maybe different than, say, right next door in the Paso AVA? Elevation yeah. is up there, um, and it catches, much like Slow Coast, a lot of the ocean influence and fog and weather rolls in. It's a little bit more of if you don't like the weather, wait five minutes and it's going to change yeah. kind of thing. Um, the soil profiles up there are just completely different. So the resulting wines are a lot more uh, layered in certain aspects and a little bit more savory. And I mean, the Grenache that we got from the York Mountain property was as the skins were about as dark as some of the Syrah that we work with. It's really? Wildly different. Yeah. What are some other varietals that you're excited to see how York Mountain performs with them? Um, Syrah is something that I've always wanted to dabble in up there. Yeah. Um, I, I have a vested interest in Rhone, so that's kind of where my focus goes yeah. a lot of the time. Um, but I would love to work with that Viognier up there, especially after this working with Sanford and Benedict on this tightrope Viognier and, and just because my favorite Viogniers in the world come from the Northern Rhone and, and those climates are much cooler than, mm-hmm. um, like that Conjure style. Yeah. So you get, you get the ability to do a little bit more malolactic, use some barrels, get rounded mouthfeel on it yeah. and, and just kind of play around with the style a little bit more. I remember when we did the Where Wine Takes You podcast, uh, we talked a lot about you know, your dad. Your dad's kind of in the mix, too. He loves the, the wine. Did he come down here for harvest? And, or was he like, no, you're on your own, bro. That's- <laughs> <laughs> no, he always comes to help. Um, he lives vicariously through me a lot of the time. He picked up wine when he was in his 40s as a... Um, I won't, don't want to call it a hobby because you don't spend hundreds of thousands of dollars no, sure. on starting a wine brand as a hobby. Um, but yeah, he started... Passion a, project. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> in 02, he started buying grapes from Napa Valley and making some wine. And that was when it really dawned on me that this was something I could do as a career. If he won, you know, liked it enough to do it on the side, how cool would it be to do it full time? So you thought of that back in 02. I have a letter to myself from the 8th grade when your 8th grade teacher asked you to do like the time capsule letter on what really? you want to do to open it. Yeah, and I found it when I was 24 or something like that. And it said, go to UC Davis, study winemaking, become a winemaker, all that. So Really? Yeah. Crazy. I keep it as a little memento. A little. That's really cool, Drew. Yeah, super yes. cool. I love that. Well, this Viognier is, is, uh, is beautiful. Okay. How many different wines are you and uh, the Nina family wines producing over there? Oh, man. We do a lot of single varietal stuff, a blend, um, two blends now. We do a Zin Petit blend that's called Cuvée Andy, named after my wife. Um, I think we're probably up to about eight SKUs. Mm-hmm. Um, again, some being single varietal and even single vineyard designated wines. Um, but dialing that into 
rather than making two or three different Grenaches, we are going the way of blending vineyards and getting a single Grenache. And because we get to sample from a lot of different vineyards around the west side of Paso, right? And it's really nice to be able to take the heady aromatics and bright flavors of Adelaide District and mix it with the depth of Willow Creek and. Yeah. Are you able to a winery of your size and like early popularity? Are you able to like make just what you and like your sister and the family wants to, or is it like, hey, we're getting you know we got five hundred people in the club now, like we we need to have a cab, or we mm-hmm. need to have a do you, do you start thinking in those ways too, like hey, let's keep let's talk about retention, let's talk about bringing, or mm-hmm. is it just hey, I'm just gonna make what I want and they'll they'll get it. It's more of the latter. Is it good? Yeah, cool. Really, up to this point, have the artistic license to go where I want with it, which is lovely. I mean, I'm like you're talking about with your new project, like to be able to switch it up and do what you want, literally, and like scratch an itch. There's nothing better than that. Seriously, and sometimes it'll be what allows you to show up every day because you get to play around with it. Yeah. So, I mean, consider like the things that you've made and created. Whether it was like, I mean. Like, did you say when we were off the air, like, how he got you through college or something? Because Yeah, the rib line. Rib line, right? I mean, me. you know, <laughs> the ribs, the, the the food that, you know. But then sometimes, like, you want to branch and do something completely different. You have to. You have to reach out. In business, if you just stay doing the same thing the whole time, you'll get stagnant and someone yeah. else and come and take your spot. Yeah. Um, that's Brian Apiano from The Switch Slow. We got Drew Nino, Nina Family Wines, also Onyx. We're going to come back. We were talking to Brian earlier. They're doing uh, free breakfast burritos tomorrow. At the switch, that's pretty rad. Just show on up, Los Osos Valley Road. You should have some of this wine with it too. Jesus. I know. Jesus. I can't wait to get into this red wine. He's, he's got a red one. He's going to come uh, back with. We're going to do next. Uh, thanks for being up and Adam in the morning. It is nine thirty eight Monday here on the Crush. Thanks for being up and Adam in the morning. It is the Crush ninety two five. It is nine fifty. Drew Nino, Nino Family Wines. Up in here, up in here, and then we have uh, Brian Apiano from the Switch Slow, gentlemen. Thanks for being up and Adam in the morning. Thank you. Okay, talk about this red wine, my friend. So I wanted to bring this one selfishly because uh, generally the 2019s that we made went too soon. We It was right around the time that we were moving into the new space on Adelaide Road and trying, you know, getting all the traffic that comes with Adelaide Road and with the wine club growing, we blew through these 2019s really fast. So this is a varietal Morved from Adelaide's Anna's Vineyard. So this is in the Adelaide district, but one of the most high elevation places that you can find grapes in in Westside Paso Robles. Oh, really? Yeah. And just intense acidity from these limestone-rich soils, immaculate farming by my buddy Chad Tabor uh, over there at Adelaide, and just a really cool winemaking team that we've worked with them on this Morved. We've gotten Grenache from them before. Um, even since so from their vineyard, which cool. is probably one of my new favorite varieties to work with. That's a fun one, isn't it? Super fun. We do a, a varietal bottling of it, too, that is the young sort of pizza wine that um, the 2022 that we just made. We'll put yeah. a bottle in February and start selling in the summer with a little chill on it. Um, but just love the farming that they do and the acid and the balance that comes out of the wine. So something like Morved, which is not known for necessarily having a ton of acid, here's an example of one that does. Yeah, and is that because of the elevation? You think, or the it, soils more? In the soils, yeah, yeah such high pH soils, which has an inverse mm. relationship with the the uh, pH that you get in the wine. Oh, got it. High pH soil means low pH wine. Okay, and it's I really like what Morved does when it's got that balancing factor in it. You can use stems. You can create a little bit more intricacy with the palate. Um, you just have more flexibility. And it seems to like that elevation, doesn't it? 
Yeah, and ripens really early. You don't have to wait until November to pick more Ved when it's up that high, which is great. What is it? Uh, is it real delicate on the vine? Do you get a lot of shatter? Could it, is it susceptible to wind and stuff, or is it pretty resilient? It's No, it's not resilient. It's uh, susceptible to everything. Is it? Yeah. I think I heard it. It might have been on one of your shows, but... Uh, um, uh, Christian was describing more that oh. is like the emo kid in high school. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's so true. Yeah, it's it's a very temperamental grape, um, but if you get the right place for it, where it can ripen but not be overly stressed, it really produces a phenomenal wine. Emo's not dead. Um, what is the latest going on at Nina Family Wines? Do you need a reservation? Can you just pop in if you're? On Adelaide Road, I'm sure you'd probably love for folks to make reservations. Yeah, reservations are preferred. We take walk-ins as we can, but again, because of the inventory situation, um, we've made a few changes. Our wine club is now on a wait list. Um, so when you come in, you can, you can sign up for the club, but you'll, you'll go on a wait list until we have a little bit more wine availability. I think for you guys, I, you know, yeah, I can just put a couple, a couple to the side. Um, and we have bottle limits on the sales, too, as uh-huh. far as how much you can take. We're trying to spread it out. The last thing we want to do... is close. Yeah, we don't want to close our doors. We we just hired a bunch of staff. Yeah. Um, the other thing that you can do, too, is that we have a, another brand in the building with us, too. So the tasting room, especially with the amount of wine we're making right now, is is massive for us. And we wouldn't have even known about the possibility of that tasting room without our friend Kit Kuiper at Hawks Hill Ranch. And Kit's been making wine under the radar for a while. He's got his own ranch out by Halter Ranch um, on at deep west Adelaide Road. Um, I've worked with his grapes. It's just a phenomenal property. And he does his brand, Hawks Hill Ranch, um, that pours out of there as well. So you can also come in and check him out, which is appointment only, too. Sometimes does your hand get forced because of popularity? Does your hand get forced in releasing something earlier than you'd want it to are you are you just like firm like you tell your sister you tell your the rest of the guys <laughs> the rest of the folks in there no we're not releasing this i it's i'm not ready for it to be released yet what do you do it's been more that we've forced ourselves to wait a lot of the time we yeah. would rather go down to a two wine flight which we've done before uh-huh. and uh then release something that's not ready yeah. so particularly we do a syrah called 99 steps and it's beautiful i remember that one thank you and the it's the savory side of Syrah, nor- always north or east face uh, slopes, and then a little Viognier in there too, Cote Rotis style. Mm-hmm. And that one, we always wait a little like bit Like blended longer. or like co-firmed? Co-fermented. Cool. Yeah, so we just released the 2019 99 Steps this fall to our allocation, and so we still have the 2020 hanging around waiting, getting some bottle age. I mean, I've seen winemakers get real creative when they're in situations like this. I had Riley in here recently from Ahaba. I love her. She was like, look, I was really low on wine. So I'm just picking up the phone, calling, hey, who can I get? Hey, Guillaume, you got some extra Roussan or whatever? And then I'll, I'll, she put some of her Chardonnay into some of his yeah. Roussan that he was able to sell to her. And now she's and she's even more rogue she's putting in a box you know i mean it's super cool but i mean no you've seen people get really creative in ways to be like just to have enough wine to to sell yeah riley is one of the first people i thought of when we started to have some of these you know nice to have problems yeah um consider ourselves very blessed and she got creative and super got moving and she's she knows a lot of great people i mean even she did a partnership with neil Right uh, oh, too with uh-huh. cider and and whatnot. So especially her having a spot in Tent City, which we know 
what the traffic is like there. Yeah. She really got to move. All the concerts that she's doing, too, and uh, Caleb at Leber's doing the pizzas there. I haven't had his pizza yet, but everyone says it's Oh, like, it's incredible. That's it's, what I hear. Uh, sourdough-based. I think he, he got the sourdough from uh, the Smith family. Um, from Saxum and wow. it's just been like it's a sourdough culture that's been yeah. for decades and and just Caleb is knock your socks off funny. Oh, he that's just, cool. Is this a good guy? Yeah, you'll go in there and you'll you'll get a pizza and he'll make you laugh and happy pizza comes from a happy chef. Yeah, right. Heck <laughs> that's yeah. so cool. So, um, when does Onyx make their wines in Tin City? Yeah, so we have the winery right next door to that's, Hubba, at the, yeah. end of the cul-de-sac there. So you must be must be seeing her and all those crazies all the time. Yeah. Tin City is that social experiment of putting a bunch of businesses, you know, quote unquote competing businesses in the same locale together and see what they do, see how they act together. Yeah. It's almost like a little reality show. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. I know. I think Dina tried, but. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you're making the wines, like you said, on Adelaide Road. Was that tough just during, I mean, that's a good 15, 20 minutes. Like, thank God. Um, we don't actually make the wines up at that tasting room. In Adelaide. Yeah. Oh, so uh, Nick Elliott at Nakora Wines, also in Tin City opened his doors to us. Oh, cool. And we've been making the wine in the cellar. So now you're just going around the cul-de-sac. Right and across the street. Oh, my gosh. That's great. <laughs> yeah. That is cool. Well, um, how, what is the website? Uh, com. Ninao, spelled N-E-N-O-W, yeah. ninaofamilywines.com, USA Today, called them uh, the, the number four hot new winery of the in, in the country. Like Best top, new winery, yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. Which, it, if you look at the list, too, I think what I'm most proud of is that Every other winery on that list is fairly scaled and, and large. I, I feel like we were really the only boutique That's winery cool. on that list. So I'm thankful for whoever did nominate us for that. How for does all that happen? Like, does a, no idea. You, have, you <laughs> see this and do, do they call you or do they email you and say ahead of time? And how, wh- how, how, were, how did you react to that? There was an email that came in and it was like, is this a scam or what is Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is this? And uh, quickly started marketing it and... I think we even went to like sending text messages out to all of our club members and customers to get on there and vote every day. Yeah, it well, was a team effort. Something like this, especially if you're a fan, um, when you're a fan of a brand before they get good press, and then something happens, like you kind of go, oh, "I gotta go get some of those wines." Like I was talking to some friends, and you know they were talking to Donnie right before like that, that latest 100 point came out, mm-hmm. and he's like. Pulling over, I'm going to get a whole you know case of the Syrah right now. You know, yeah. Just if it's left, I want to get my hands on it because you know that phone's going to start ringing. Yeah, we. I wasn't sure in this day and age with all the different awards and lists that you can make and all the different reviewers that are out there, what the scale would be. Mm-hmm. And it's been the reality is it's been a ton of new traffic, new people that had never heard of us coming to the tasting room saying they saw the press, um, so particularly cool. out of state. We've yeah. seen all these people from Texas, Connecticut, uh, Colorado, Georgia, um, coming in and, and they heard about us, this little tiny brand in Paso. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. We have a Juni now here. Also, we have uh, Brian Appiano. Well, uh, both of you guys, thank you so much for coming in studio and hanging out. NinaFamilyWines.com. Uh, don't forget, uh, Brian and the crew over there at the Switch Slow are doing free breakfast burritos tomorrow. How you cool can, is that? I know, that's pretty rad. 
You ready for this? I hope you're looking uh, up early tomorrow. They're, they're there getting ready right now. No, they, yeah, they're getting ready there early. So, yeah, uh, beginning tomorrow, 8 a.m., uh, free breakfast burritos at the Switch Slow. Just show up and get your free burrito. If you want to bring any back to the office, they're going to go for like five bucks each one after that. So that's pretty rad, too. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for being up and at them in the morning. Drew, it's always good to see you. It took so long because you were so busy and then to get you in. So I'm really, I just, I love, I'm such a big fan of you and your wines. And it's really cool to have you in here, my man. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, this good wine to be is here. delicious. Dude. Yes. Seriously, thank you guys. Like, I'm not, I don't know all the stuff you guys know about wine, but I know good and this is absolutely delicious. Yeah, thank you. I want more of it. Yeah, his wines are You know fire. good tasting. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I know good tasting <laughs> wines and I'm signing up. Well, I love it. Thanks for being up and out of the morning, guys.